Praise be to Jesus and Mary, and welcome to the Catholic Family Podcast. This is the What is a Woman podcast, hosted by Mandy and Holly. Let's begin our show. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the What is a Woman podcast. My name is Holly, and as always, I'm joined here by my mother, Mandy, and we are happy to be back and happy to be back in 2024 yeah new year before we jump into it though we will begin by saying jesus meek and humble of heart make our hearts like unto thine so we just uh want to firstly say we hope that all our listeners and um um all the women out there and maybe some men yeah um (laughs) although i have definitely heard that we don't men really don't find this. appeal to men. <laughs> but anyways, we hope that you all had a very blessed Christmas, a very happy new year. Um, we hope that God blessed you and your families over the holidays, Christmas season. Oh, look at me being all worldly saying holiday. Uh, happy <laughs> holiday. <laughs> I didn't mean it like that. I just meant that it's we're celebrating. But, we're celebrating. Um, we're sort of celebrating. We're sort of celebrating. So what do you mean sort of celebrating? Oh, I got a lot of sickness going oh, on. Okay. I was like... <laughs> What? We're not celebrating? <laughs> we um, wish we were doing more celebrating. But, uh, yeah, so, you know, it's a, it's a nice time to, Christmas is a wonderful time to just, everything kind of, I mean, in a way, kind of stops. You know, people are off from work, they get vacation, holiday time, and um, and you can just take that time to kind of, I'm going to use the word slow down. Right. Like everything kind of stops. Like, you know, Christmas Day, stores are closed. New Year's Day, stores are closed. So you can't go out and you don't, Yeah. you know, you know what I'm trying to say? There's not like you have that at least those two days where everything for the most part is pretty well closed. Yeah. Unless, of course, you work in like emergency services or something. Right, right. You know, but anyways, so for most, it's a time to just kind of, and especially for us as Catholics, to rest and... um think about what's really important yeah that's what i find christmas always gives you that time to be like you know the savior is coming our lord is coming and if you use that time wisely to focus on what christmas is really about it can be a very good time yeah because if you don't the other thing happens too a lot of you know a lot of bad things kind of happen at Christmas too. I find, uh, I mean, and I, I'm not talking, but people who aren't good in spiritual places. It can be very, I get what you're saying. It can be very traumatic. Traumatic time, Like it's almost yeah. like the devil just riles everything up. Well, you see, I think he sees it as a window of opportunity to get people riled. Yeah. You yeah. Know? Because so, I mean, at, things like Christmas a seasons like Christmas, and I'm just speaking on this whole here, not speaking from a Catholic perspective, just on a whole, is a very emotional time. Yeah, very emotional. People start thinking about memories and past Christmases, and, and you know, it's a time where I, I think your emotions are just at their peak. Yeah, and I think know? we mentioned this before. A lot of disappointment, too, because in general, the world expects some sort of miracle. Right, yeah. You know, it's the they're all their woes to go away or something, right? Yeah. And they don't get it. And and because Christmas isn't really that all your woes go away. Yeah. It's that you see the hope that's just come into the world. Right. There's something good to come. 
So in that, on that note, we hope you all saw the hope. <laughs> yeah, we hope you were feeling the hope yeah, feeling and the gloriness. The and the, and the, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I was a little sad. We didn't have any snow. Yeah, we didn't have any snow. Nothing. It was a muddy, mucky <laughs> Christmas. It was. It still is. I just, I, my thing is, if I want, if I ever want snow, it's going to be on Christmas. Yeah. Or around Christmas time. And if I don't get around Christmas, then I don't want. <laughs> then I don't want. Don't come. <laughs> now you're done. You had your chance. You're done. Your window come. is coming on. But I shouldn't say that because you know I read in Trustful Surrender to Divine Providence you should never even complain about the weather. Right. <laughs> so right. let's and, put a nail in that coffin. <laughs> right. And and uh, here's a funny thing. I got sick. Yeah. Really sick. Um, I I I left the Christmas celebration. I was completely fine all Christmas Day. Didn't have a sick thought in my head or a feeling. And I went home, and when I got up, I was sicker than sick the next day. Boxing. We, we celebrate Boxing well, Day that- here in Canada. And uh, I, and I was re- I've been really sick for a week, sicker than yeah. I've been in a long time. So that put a damper in my personal celebrating. Yeah. And in fact, it put such a damper in it. Like I was, I had all these plans in my head, and I was... Um, you know, going to do great things. Christmas is over. I can clean up these messes. I was, you know, we have to start with this kitchen. And then not only did I get sick, but then my son got sick too. So, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, nothing has happened. Absolutely nothing (laughs) that I had planned. But interestingly enough, though, our chapter here today um, talks about how to deal with sickness properly. In the imagination? Yes, in the imagination. Oh, like, isn't that funny? can't wait to see how that ties yeah, in. Yeah, like, I don't know if I should tell you my sickness story yet or wait till we get to the sickness part. Maybe I'll tell you it now. <laughs> and then when we get to the sickness part, you can, like, say, okay, maybe Mandy didn't handle that right. right. But what had happened was I was really sick. So the Tuesday, I get up, and my, I can't even move. My head is swimming. Like, you know, that sickness where you can't function. Yeah. And of course, you know, I still have my mom to look after and I have things I, I, I have to do, not just what I want to do. And I'm downstairs and I'm trying to do them and I just start crying. Like I spent Tuesday crying. And you guys need to, ladies, sorry, need to know this about my mom. She doesn't cry. I don't cry. She's not a crier. I'm not a crier. Like, I don't cry. And even crying was making me mad. Like, I'm like, why are you crying? Like, what is your problem? Pull yourself together. Pull yourself together, you know. And I'm standing there. And then my son comes around the corner. And all these tears are rolling down my eyes. And he goes, are you all right? (laughs) (laughs) And I'm like, no, I'm not all right. I'm sick. Like, you know, it was the end of the world, right? So then I, I decide, like, I, I go upstairs and I go to bed. And it was a kind of a weird sickness, too, because my head was heavy. And it was kind of, I was, had all this insomnia, too, at the same time. Yeah. I couldn't really sleep. So then I, after I got over, I, I thought, I can't believe I'm sick. I just can't believe I'm sick. I have all this stuff I needed to do. And we have stuff going on. And, and here I am, I'm sick. And so... But then I decided, oh, I also decided that I had to lock myself in my room too. Because I was like, you need to go lock yourself in your room and not talk to anybody. Mm -hmm. Because if you do, you are going to say really mean, cruel things. Right. 
Like I felt like I was like not in control at all. Right. Right. So I did. I went to my room and I didn't talk to anybody because I was like, there will be nothing nice that comes out of your mouth. And then when this is over, you will regret everything. And so, (coughs) so anyway, I kind of did that. But what I also did was I was like, okay, after, after, you know, I, I guess one day of feeling sorry for myself, because that's what we do when we get sick. We really feel sorry for ourselves. Right. Then I reflected that, um, wait a minute, all affliction comes directly from the hand of God. God would like me to be sick. Mm-hmm. So who am I to argue with God that he wants me to be sick? So I decided that I would just go into my bedroom and I would prop myself up in the bed, be sick with my rosary, and I, I brought my phone in and I was playing relaxing Christmas music. So it was instrumental, you know, right. and it was it was hymns. It wasn't... Uh, you know, Secular. Frosty the Snowman or anything like that. Yeah. So I just had that low in the market. And I says, well, this is what sick people are supposed to do. They're supposed to pray and offer up their sufferings. Mm-hmm. So then I just went to bed and I just had my rosary. And I said, I prayed the rosary, you know, probably poorly. But, you know, <laughs> as well as a sick person okay. yeah. gets through that. And that's what I did for about two days. And then, you know, and then I kind of... It was starting to act better. But I still, like, it hasn't left. Yeah. But anyway, so that's yeah. kind of, and, and our, our book talks about that. What, what to, like, what about to how to deal with sickness. sickness. Yeah. Are you sure it's in this chapter? Because I, I thought there was a whole chapter about it. Oh, I wrote a whole lot about oh, okay, it. So, okay. I mean, I, I thought so it was know. kind of funny that, how ironic that we should be talking about sickness when the good Lord wishes me to be suffering. Right. You know, I thought, did you plan this? Yeah, I'm sure. Did you plan you did. this so I can have some insight into this when we talk? You know. But anyway, well, do you want? Did you want? Well, just... I wanted to. We, my mom and I were just talking about this. I just wanted to share this quick little thing um, because it was kind of funny that. Oh, well, I often talk to my children, and I wonder if they're even listening to me at all, or if they retain anything I say. But uh, last night I got some proof. Not for me, but for my mother, that my daughter actually listens to what she says. (laughs) And it just, it happened so fast, and she was so quick with with it, and it was so funny. So, (laughs) we're watching, and I'm sharing because my mom's, we've talked about this in depth on this podcast about, quote unquote, following your heart. Yeah. Okay? And how you don't follow your heart. I'm pretty sure we had a whole episode about it. Yeah. Right? So anyway, so we're watching this movie last night, some stupid Christmas movie. And anyways, and the 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 me, the lead woman is there and she's talking to her mother and the mother says to her, "Remember what your grandmother always told you. Listen to your head, but follow your heart." Yeah. And without missing a beat, my daughter turns around and says to me, well, that's not what my grandmother told me. <laughs> <laughs> and I was just like, okay, she does listen. <laughs> She's got it. Do not follow your heart. <laughs> oh, and she was just so like, it was just so funny because I, it was just, she just said it so fast. And I was like, wow, my mom really does get to her. <laughs> but well, she glad. says really sinks in, you know. Well, I hope so. so. I, hope she, I hope that sticks with her. When, you know, she's older and she's, you know, at that age to, quote, unquote, 
follow her heart. Well, she is getting to that age, right? Yeah. And I mean, this chapter on the imagination, um, I mean, it's very pivotal for young girls. Yeah. If they don't get a grasp on their imagination at a young age, it will actually send them to ruin. And this uh, this chapter ends on a very sour note about that okay. too, right? I did so. So um, I think we should, you know, like just jump jump in, jump into this, and you can start reading. And uh, okay, all right. So the imagination quote. Far different is the woman who has regulated her imagination and given it a wise direction from early life. Impressed by all that is truly beautiful, she knows how to appreciate elevated thoughts and generous sentiments. Her noble and courageous soul rises with enthusiasm to the lofty sphere where gifted intellects have, sorry, gifted intellects love to dwell. Piety, patriotism, love, friendship, and all the sentiments which acutate generous souls find a dwelling place in hers and derive new strength from her energetic character everything that in enters her mind takes as it were its dimensions and like it becomes great and noble she knows how to impart value to objects the most common in appearance an exquisite an exquisite sense of beautiful accompanies and directs her words and gestures, and gives to her conversation, to her look, and even to her silence. That inexpressible charm, that gracefulness and harmony, which win all hearts. Truth never presents itself to her mind, except under the image of the good and the beautiful. Good to her is truth in relief, and the beautiful is its splendor. Hence, the contemplation of the beautiful fills her soul with unspeakable delights, and she knows how to communicate them to others by the sweet and persuasive manner in which she expresses her feelings, end quote. Yes, well, we got long quotes on this. Well, long quotes. <laughs> I'm going to try, we're gonna try voice and finish, wasn't ready for that. Finish the book. But no, the chapter. You know. The chapter, right, yeah. not the book. But previously, we were talking about, um, <clears throat> this was last week, or two weeks ago, about, you know, the flip-floppiness. Remember the weeds oh, yes. and, Reed. you know. A weed or a reed shaking in the wind. We're still not. <laughs> right, the fleas or the butterflies oh, that butterflies, float around. Yeah. And so um, this week we're starting off on a good note. So the book is telling us about the imagination and how it can lead to all things beautiful. Oh, right. Right. But um, there was a line in there that says, truth never presents itself to her mind except under the image of of God and beautiful. Well, that because I was just going to say, you know, like the imagination has the ability to carry you to a higher place if you're thinking about the right things. Exactly. Like if you think about how the saints were always had their mind and their their mind and their eyes fixed on heaven. Right. That that was probably their, uh, I would say, a portion of their imagination leading them there oh absolutely 100%. imagining what it would 100%. be like to be in god's presence and keeping right? your mind fixed on that and, and also too it's always to see everything as coming from the hand of god right right so i mean this that's what the saints did they saw everything as coming from the hand of god and when we say everything we mean literally everything mm -hmm. now you can so what kind of stops people um with that it's like well how, how can i see all this evil right as coming from the hand of god like especially like when you're you're living in a in a bad situation or you're living with a uh, a person who gives you problems or or you know or there's all like i mean 
let's be real. I'm sure I know that we're surrounded by evil. Right. So if we're surrounded by evil, I'm pretty confident that the whole everybody else is. Yeah. Right. And so we have to. So how do we see all this is coming from the hand of God? Right. Right. We have to put it into the proper perspective that evil does the work of God. Right. Just as Caiaphas murdered Christ. Right. Like I say, for me personally, I say that over and over and over again, just so I can get that through my head. Because, I mean, if you can imagine being the Blessed Virgin Mary at the crucifixion, mm-hmm. I mean, how much more evil can we get? Yeah. Right? Like, you know, you're they're killing God. Yeah. Right? That is the height of every evil imaginable. There's no evil that even comes close to the comparison. Well, and even it's still said that, like, you know, it is it is said that Christ died the most horrific death in the entire world. Yes. Right. Like, so, and here's the Blessed Virgin Mary looking at this from the hand of God. Mm-hmm. Right? Because, and she knows, right? I mean, most of the time when we're inflicted with evil, we maybe don't have the perception that the Blessed Virgin Mary does know that this evil is for the salvation of mankind. Right. Yeah. Right? But we have to we have to say to ourselves that the evil is 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 being inflicted for the for some something, you right. know, some betterment. We just right. don't know what it is. We're not as holy as the Blessed Virgin Mary. But it is the salvation of mankind. Like I mean, whether it's you somebody else or Mm -hmm. somebody else you know Mm -hmm. like it does it is all part of of god's i'm not going to say god's holy plan because god's holy plan actually doesn't involve sin right but sin creates the evil and then god uses the evil to bring about good right right so i mean but the one thing that we have to be the most careful about is that we are never the evil right right we can watch the evil we can say the evil is you know is is part of divine providence you know because of the cost of sin but we do not want to be the the evil evil. right because then we have to pay for it yeah right so then we're the ones that are going to have to pay for it so you know like when when say you're Say you're in a fight with somebody and you get carried away and you're spitting out whatever it is you're spitting out, you know, yeah. like all kinds of, because your anger, your anger and everything's gotten away from you and all this stuff. What you're doing when you're doing that is you're being the evil, mm-hmm. right? And you have to pull it back, right? You have to not be the evil. Mm-hmm. So it's okay to look around you and and be confident in the divine providence of God, as long as you're not the one being the evil. Right. You know, you have to say to yourself, I don't want to be Caiaphas. Yeah. And I mean, maybe like in every situation we you come across, to, like it's probably a good habit to get into, just step back and just say to yourself, am I being the evil in this situation? Yeah. And think about what's going on and, you know, or what like, you know, because what, I mean, what am I contributing to this situation? Yeah, because when you are the evil, you are equally 
you know, playing into divine providence. Right. Except you have to pay for it. Yeah. Except you, except you're putting coals on top of your head. Yeah. Right. And yeah. you don't want that. No. No. <laughs> you, don't you don't want to be Caiaphas, okay? Yeah. Like, you, you know, you see everything is coming from the hands of God as long as you're not playing into the Caiaphas part, mm -hmm. end of it. Not the, you know, forever situation, there's always a perpetrator and there's always a victim. Mm -hmm. You always want to be the victim. You never want to be the perpetrator. Right. You know, so anyway. Okay, next the thing here. Uh-huh. Quote, her heart is like a sanctuary adorned with holy pictures, every one of which recalls some pious recollection or points to a heavenly hope. The divine harmonies of her soul and the chaste beauty of her thoughts are reflected in her countenance and give to her whole person an admirable composure, which far from impairing her natural appearance, invests it in with new charms, new charms, as her imagination derives from the riches the rich resources of art and poetry, the means of embellishing every object she sees and clothing it in gayer and fresher hues, so does it enable her to impart grace and dignity to the most ordinary movements and attitudes of her body. In her art and nature are constantly aiding each other. There is no clashing or contradiction between them. Nature disturbs not the ingenious combinations of art nor does art impede the free development of nature's instinctive movements these two things are so perfectly blended in her whole exterior that on seeing her we are inclined to think that she acquired them at the same time and it is difficult to say whether art preceded and formed nature or is rather an emanation from or a product of nature end quote yeah i, I know that was a lot of talking yeah, there <laughs> but I mean, you've heard this said, like, I mean, I've heard it said a million times, like, does art imitate life or does life imitate art? And that's basically what they're saying. Right. That's what they're saying in there, right? Is that, I mean, nature is life and art, yeah. right? So do we become what we see? Or do we reflect what is us? <laughs> I'm laughing because I always really was not to be or not to, to be. Like I, <laughs> I could, I can never stand. Like this is gonna sound really bad, but these philosophical <laughs> riddles or whatever yeah. you call—I don't even know what you call them. If a tree anytime, falls in the forest, does, does anyone, anyone hear it? <laughs> like anytime somebody says these things, I'm just like, ugh. <laughs> Why do we have to go there? Like, can we not just talk in plain, natural things that people understand? Does art imitate life? Or does life... Like, I'm just always like, why you ask me these philosophical questions? Well, it probably like, has an answer. I'm I mean, sure well, first it probably of all, does. It's just like... First of all, we know one thing. Beauty is an absolute. absolute yes. Right? And for order us, for in order for us to see what is truly beautiful, yeah. we have to see it the way God has, sees it. Right. Right? And I mean, we're living in a world right now where, like, I mean, anybody been in a novice order church lately? Oh. They're like, they're hideous. Yeah. You know, like, we had the cathedrals of the old where, you know, they were, like, glorifying up to God mm -hmm. and, you know, all this, this, and now, like, I mean, in modern art and all oh. this stuff, is, is the modern art imitating the souls of people? 
Well, yeah. Or are the souls of people creating the the modern modern art? art. Well, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's What came first, the chicken or the egg? Oh, there's another one. (laughs) (laughs) The kids asked me that the other day. I said, don't ask me such questions. (laughs) Obviously, the chicken. (laughs) I know, but like... We know the answer to that one. I know, but it's just like... God didn't create an egg. He created a chicken. chicken. I know, the animal... (laughs) Yes, I know, but then they like... Oh, I don't know. I just... Yeah, not a fan. (laughs) So anyway... So, I mean, basically. And you know what? I'm just going to say it's the same thing when kids, you know, because, you know, kids say, well, if Adam and Eve were the first man and woman and then they had children, they yeah. were brothers and sisters. Where do, You know, and yeah, they're just yeah. like, I'm always like, go ask father that question. <laughs> <laughs> I remember my daughter asked me that when she was older, like she was yeah. about 10 or 11 or Like that or seems kind of creepy. And you're like, because, well, because they have brothers and sisters. And they're like, I can't marry my brother, you yeah. know, like, and you're like. Ah, go ask father i i don't want to get even get into that, i always say you know? the bible tells us what we need, need to, to know. know anything else you don't need to know <laughs> you know anyway so that's just silly okay so but oh. but anyway so i mean so what's in the soul right or the imagination right. is going to come out on the canvas well, that is very true, too. And if, since, you know, we we do live in modern times and we know the state of the world, we're not blind to it. We know there's a lot of sick, depraved things out there. Uh-huh. And I mean, so that is going to come out in art forms. It comes out in music. It comes out in yeah. books. It comes out in television. It comes out in art. Yeah. I've seen some art that will, that just like, I'm just like, that is the sickest thing I've ever seen. And people are looking at it going... Oh, it's so beautiful. Look at the lines. Look at the... And I'm looking at it. I'm like, are we Look, looking at the same thing? What are thing? we looking at here? <laughs> that blob? <laughs> well, and part of me always wondered, you know, when people are looking at modern art, if they're not just full of it. I've always thought Like, that. you know what I mean? When they're like, <laughs> look at the way the artist... You know, and it's... To me, it looks like paint just splattered on a canvas, right? Yeah. And they're like, look at the way he used that line or whatever they say. And I'm like... Are you just pulling that out of nowhere? Like, are are like, is this or is this actually? If you know, I don't know art. Like, I'm no. not an artist. I can't draw. I don't I know art either. And and I and for my money, I wouldn't give you two dollars for a Picasso. Right. So that's my <laughs> thing. Like, are there like? If you I only say know it, what's beautiful. If you say it comes from the imagination, and this is what people are coming out with. Yeah. What's going on in your imagination? Yeah, what's going on up there? Because I just see chaos. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I relate that to chaos. Whereas if you look at, well, let's just take the Mona Lisa, for example. That that was a a portrait. Right. You know, back in the day when, when artists did portraits. Yeah. And they were of people and it was just art. Right. You know, they just drew people's port. Like, the Mona Lisa was an actual woman. Oh, yeah. You know? So, it wasn't like, you know, this guy just pulled out a figment of his imagination. Yeah, no, no. It's, you know? It's a, it's a true thing. It's a true thing. And when you even... I want to touch on this because I've seen it since we're just talking about art right now. And maybe maybe you ladies can leave in the comments your opinion on this. Um, the AI Catholic Images... Because it's going around a lot, and people, I've seen it in the group. People are like, What do you think about the AI Catholic art? And I have seen some that are beautiful. Beautiful. Yeah. But to me, it's still AI. Yeah, it's artificial. It's artificial, and it's not. 
It's like eating processed cheese, maybe. Like, like I can't look at a picture out of, um, uh, you know, like a holy picture. Like, I have a beautiful, the Good Shepherd. It's a black and white uh-huh. one with Jesus and the lambs. And, and I got it um, off Facebook Marketplace. It's beautiful. Yeah. That's the Jesus that I know in my head. Right. That's how Jesus is to me. You know? Yeah. The statues and the this. And when I look at AI, I just, it's so modern. And Mary is so, I, I'm going to use the word trendy looking you know <laughs> yeah i don't know i don't have really have an opinion on it i haven't formed one i'd have to think about it and pro- well, because I'm, some of it is very beautiful some like of it is very beautiful, very beautiful but then i saw one the other day and i don't know if it was posted in the set of a contest i don't know where it was posted but it came up on my facebook and somebody said and it was half a picture of jesus on the cross like a close-up of his face on the cross and then half of him in the manger close up his face a baby and he's crying like he's screaming in both pictures his mouth is open but it's half of each face i thought it was blasphemous like i was like no 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 well he did cry out on the cross i know but like it, it it took to me it took our lord and made him reduced him down to just a mere human being yeah that was just i don't know i i just, just there was a like lot it. of comments on it and i thought well this is and that makes sense and it does tie into the imagination even these these images yes they're ai generated but somebody has to tell well, the computer what to do my thing with ai is i just don't trust it so now i just don't trust anything no right? I like don't. and i feel like that there's something very evil coming down the pipeline with ai yes you know, I just feel like, you know, you, you can't, I mean, you can't believe your own eyes. Yeah. Right. That's true. So, uh, I mean, I'm, I just, I personally stay away from it because yeah. it is because of what it is. Yes. You know, and I, I just feel like, I don't know. Yeah. No, I just, I just was wondering if, cause it has been going around and I know some Catholics find some really nice AI images. Uh, there are some real, I've there's seen some lots. really They're nice beautiful. ones, but then there's also some really bad ones. I'm just like, okay. <laughs> like, you know, but anyway, so we'll let you ladies weigh we'll in. We'll let you comment. weigh in. What do you, you think? AI, you no AI. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I prefer the old Catholic images and I like them. So, but yeah. anyways. Uh, did you have anything else on that thought? Nope. Okay, let's move on. Let's move on. Okay. Sickness. Okay. <laughs> Quote, her life is a flower whose sweet fragrance rejoices and purifies the heart of all who approach her. Even pain and bodily sufferings, which nearly always produce a sensible change in the features of woman, have less effect on her because she possesses within herself an exhaustible source of grace and beauty. The sense of the beautiful accompanies her even in the pangs of sickness and prevents her from yielding entirely to the sufferings which they produce. Virtue comes to her assistance in those trying moments in which exhausted nature seems to have lost all power of reaction. And you behold in her exterior that dignity and calm which constitutes, as it were, the beauty of suffering souls and infirm bodies. She is patient in pain and meek in death as she was kind and amiable during life, and sometimes death is also gentle towards her, sparing her the witherings of a humiliating agony, and the angels receive her soul to bear it to the eternal mansions as we gather a fruit mellowed by the heats of summer, end quote. Yeah. That sounds a little different than, you know, me standing in the kitchen and crying. 
What? <laughs> but I did go lock myself I away. did go lock myself But, you know, I, what I was thinking about was um, St. Bernadette in the Song of Bernadette. Remember how she has that giant tumor? Yeah, on her leg. You know, yeah. and she pulls back her skirt to show, show the, the other, other nun. nun. Yeah. Well, maybe this will help. Yeah. And the nun just about has a heart attack. Yeah. Like here she is going about her business. She just started to limp slightly. Yeah. Yeah. You know. And um and then there is the death scene with her in that song of Bernadette mm-hmm. where she's just you know, they're just calmly lying, lying there. there suffering and Well and the key word here that stuck out to stuck out to me very important, I think, dignity. Yeah. And and when you what I well, there's lots of things this world is completely lacking or are completely yeah. gone. But for one hundred percent, we can say without a doubt, the dignity is gone. Yes, people have no dignity. People have no shame. Yeah, like you can spend five minutes on Instagram watching reels to see that. Yeah, no, I know the dignity of this world is like there is no dignity. Like mm-hmm. I mean. There is. Like, I know there are people out there that have dignity. Yes. I'm not saying, like, but. We're talking general. We're talking in general here. And what people feel is acceptable. Right. I mean, so this is talking very contrary to that. You let it all right. out. And you be you. And you. Like, your, your dignity was the thing that kept those things inside. Right. Like, you, you would never... Like, your dignity wouldn't allow you to behave in such a way. You had to be, yeah. um, you know, what's the word? You had to be dignified. Dignified. Like there, there's there no, no other, other word. word for it. <laughs> yeah. You wouldn't right. allow people to see you in such a state and yeah. bear all your open wounds in your, and, you know. Well, there is a saying <laughs> that you die as you have lived. Yes. Yeah. Right. And I, I used to... Um, for a couple of years, I worked in a hospital where I used to um, kind of babysit or it was called an observational care provider. I was just supposed to sit in the room and look at somebody to make yeah. sure they didn't hurt themselves. Right. So it was usually people, you know, they were a little bit whacked out on the medication. Right. Or they were suicidal or they, you know, they just weren't in control of themselves. But um, anyway, what I noticed like was, I mean, the men were awful mm-hmm. you know and the women and i i used to think in my head you know i mean i i felt very sorry for them don't get me wrong mm-hmm. but it no saint joseph's no you know the ripping off of the clothes yeah. and the, you know like very undignified and yeah. you can say to yourself well you know they're sick and this is true they are sick yeah but you know we're talking about um what was that line about the angels coming um yeah like it 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 seemed very mental illness angels receive her soul to bear it to the eternal mansions as we gather a fruit mellowed by the heats of summer you know like a person who has lived a devout and holy life Mm -hmm. you know like i mean that's why we pray to saint joseph that we die in that that we have a good and holy death and well, and it's funny that you say, you know, the ripping off of the clothes and the anything goes and this, because you know, and you you would think that these small little things, people say, oh, whatever, is it really that big of a deal? It is that big of a deal. Something like you know, going out in your pajamas. Yeah, that has no dignity. 
Right. You know what I mean? And how often are you in Walmart or, you know, over here and you see people walking around in their pajamas? Uh, do people wear clothes, real like, clothes? Yeah, like that. <laughs> and it's funny because my sisters, they were over here the other day and we they were talking. And I can't remember which sister it was, but she was saying she was watching a movie from the 90s, a Christmas movie from the 90s. And she she couldn't believe how well-dressed everybody was in the store. Yes. There's a scene where the kid goes to the store. Yes, and, yeah. And she she was, or was it you? Was it you? Oh, I actually, it was kind of funny. Because you I were had, thinking the same thing. I was or, thinking the same thing because I, I didn't watch the movie, but I saw this particular clip. But not just dressed, well-dressed. And I like was taken away time, and they're by wearing, the store scene. They're wearing dress coats. Yes. And women's have brooches on their dress coats and, and yeah. their their nice winter hats. And everybody is so well put together. That is dignity. Yeah. So if you if you have that dignity and, and you know you I mean it's not a it's not a for sure right. that you're gonna die a nice dignified death. No. You know, I mean, nothing is nothing is for sure. But you pray for that. But That's you, what pray you pray for that. For. And but what my whole point is is that you know we used to live in a world where there was a standard. Yeah, you didn't go to the store in your pajamas. You would rather be dead than be caught at a store in your pajamas. Like people used to have nightmares about that. Yeah. I ran out of the house. I forgot to get dressed. I was in my pajamas. <laughs> you know, I was in my pajamas. Yeah. You know what's funny? Actually, this is just a little side note, but this is how far we have come. Because when I was in high school, they used to have something called Pajama Day. Right. And I thought it was so stupid. Well, I used to say it was stupid. Yeah, well, <laughs> because you're my mother. But I did too. Like I was like, I, was I like, do oh, not stupid. want to go to school in my pajamas. But I also didn't want to be an outcast either. Yeah. You know, like this is how weak I was. Yeah. And... But I was embarrassed to go to school in my pajamas. I really was. Yeah. Like, I was like, I don't want people to see me in my pajamas. This is embarrassing. Like, like, why are we wearing pajamas at why school? Why are we wearing pajamas? Like, you know, <laughs> I, had pajama, I had pajama pants with stars and moons on them. Like, I was like, this is embarrassing. Like, yeah. but I did it. And the whole time I was like, oh, I just want to go home. Like, this is so, I really felt undignified. Yeah. yeah. You know? But. Wow. Well. That's the way it is. Here we so. are. And now and now they don't even have to have pajama day at high school. I mean, a short of if you go to high school with a uniform. But I see tons of kids walking around, you know, when I'm out at the stores from high school. And they're wearing pretty much pajamas. Yeah. You know, so it doesn't matter now anyways. It doesn't matter. Well, I mean, did they lead up to that with wearing your pajamas to school? Well, that's what I, but that, so, so that's my that exact point. These things normal? seem, you say these things, oh, big deal. Who cares? It is a big deal because yeah. that's what happens when you take the dignity out of society. Yeah. These things snowball and then they just become standard things. And let's remember at the beginning of the book, part of the mission statement of women is to put the dignity back into society. Well, and, and you know, I'm just going to say this makes me very sad because, you know, my daughter and I, we watch, because, um, you know, there's not very much good out there to watch. <laughs> so her and I watch Road to Avonlea. Right. Now, they're Protestant, but, you know, it's set in 19, well, it starts in the early 1900s, okay? Uh-huh. Small little farm in PEI. Yeah. It, it might only, I maybe Americans haven't heard of it. I don't know. It's a Canadian show. Uh, but it is really good, and it's really wholesome. Yeah. Okay? And, but you see these women, and 
like with their their dresses and they're and they're not rich they're yeah. they're farmers on a farm in pei but i watched the show and i'm like i would love to go back to that right with the dresses and the hats like you didn't leave your house without a hat on your head right right you know you had to have a hat if you were out in public and it's just so a like a certain amount of decorum decorum and that you know yeah. and you see this and you really i i mean i going to say it's probably because I'm Catholic but you look at it and you go I would love to be more, like I would love to be in that time yeah where everything was so the women were so beautifully dressed yeah you know what I mean like they just look so nice and put together and right right and the aprons like I love an apron yeah I wear you know I, I have an apron and I wear it around the house when I'm doing dishes or whatever and I was telling my sisters here at Christmas the reason why I love my apron is because I can still look nice at home yeah and I put an apron on and do the dishes and protects my clothing right you know like and I just like how how many people have an apron in their home I'm sure lots of Catholics have aprons. I'm not talking that. <laughs> I have <but> many. <laughs> I know, but I'm just saying, if you went into... If you went somewhere else, no, they wouldn't have aprons. You know? They wouldn't. They wouldn't, you know. Yeah. So. so. Although, I must say, a friend of ours has that sewing st- channel. So today, today, yeah. One of her top videos... Is, is an a, apron? Is a vintage apron. Well, I'm sure there are people yeah. out there that do love... Yeah. Like, there's lots of people that love vintage clothing. Right. No, I know. You know, so, but anyways. All right, let's get back on topic here. So, oh, this is a short one. Quote, the imagination, therefore, is a valuable faculty and well-directed may facilitate the fulfillment of our duties by enkindling in our souls a holy enthusiasm for virtue and inspiring us with a salutary horror for evil. End quote. Okay, so, so you must want to press on something. There. I did, I did, because uh, it was the it was the it was the horror for evil, right? All right, again, um, because this book is old, it kind of just says horror for evil, and I feel like we have a tendency to have a horror for other people's evil, right? Right. So the focus is not again. Remember, because we said earlier, it's not about. The horror for other people's evil. Yeah. Like, not the horror for Caiaphas murdering Christ. It's the horror for our own. It's the horror for our own evil. Like, what right? do we do to Christ? What do we do to, to Christ? Well, right? I, you know, because a priest told me once, you know, every time you sin, you crucify Christ all over again. Right. Like, so for, never mind about Caiaphas. Yeah. You know? Yeah, no, exactly. Right? So, I think it, I think we, because we live in such an evil society... Mm-hmm. And we do like it, it is everywhere and, and it is everywhere. And we have to see um, evil as coming from the hand of God, mm-hmm. you know, indirectly via divine providence. But still, the horror for the evil is not what everybody else is doing. It's what we do. Right. You know, and it, if if we lose sight of that, if we're so focused on what the whole rest of the world is doing. Right. Uh, and we don't see what we're doing. That's uh, that's when everything becomes unbalanced, and we become right. v- um, very much a Pharisee, right? You right. Know. So I just wanted to point that out. Okay. All right. Quote: To aim at extinguishing in our 
breast the sacred spark of enthusiasm by suppressing the imagination in which it chiefly originates would be acting against the designs of God, who has given us no useless faculty and against our own interests. We should rather keep up the sacred fire by feeding the imagination with holy images, noble thoughts, lofty reflections, and generous sentiments, and allowing it to indulge only in what is truly great and beautiful, and really deserving of admiration and love. Prayer, meditation, the frequent perusal of the Holy Scriptures and of pious books, retirement from the world, from its pleasures, its shows, and festivities, are the most effectual means of obtaining this desirable result. End quote. Right, so um, the, we have to feed the imagination good things. Right. You know, we surround ourselves with holy pictures. We sound, we sound, uh, surround ourselves with good music. We surround ourselves with um, good reading, right? Yeah. Uh, there Perusal was, of the Holy Scriptures. I like yeah, that. Yeah. <laughs> um, Bishop Sanborn said in one of his sermons I was listening to a long time ago that if we allow our children to watch television we might as well hook them up to an intravenous and direct, directly pump poison into them. Ooh. Yeah, he's pretty blunt about it. Yeah. And, it hurts a little bit. <laughs> yeah. I, I may be wrong about this, but I don't believe you can send your kids to his school if you have a television in your home. I, I have heard that. I don't know. I don't true. know if it's exactly true or not. But, um, but, but that's know. how adamant he is about this. And, I mean, I, I myself... I am. I'm kind of admin about it myself too, yeah. right? Like I think that what you view and what you look at is directly pumping poison into yourself, and it's distorting and it's feeding your imagination. I mean, I've said it a few times. I, mm -hmm. I have television in my home. Yeah, don't get me wrong. wrong. Yeah, <laughs> but but um, you know. Well, and clearly I do. I just said we watch. <laughs> <laughs> you have a television in your home. Yeah. I mean, I'm. Uh, it, you know, like I think if you are a hardliner on yourself, mm -hmm. I mean, that's the place to start, not worrying about what other people are doing. Right. You know, like I, I mean, obviously I have a television well, in my home. And I mean, that it can go back to that, your comment about the horror of evil. Yeah. Like if, like, I mean, if you, if you don't have a television in your home and you're, you're drawing that hard line. That's great. Yeah. So don't worry about what everybody else has got going on. Yeah, exactly. You know, I'm just putting that out there. Like, we shouldn't be horrified that there are people, Catholics out there and stuff that watch TV. Uh-huh. You know, we shouldn't, you know, I mean, I I really wish I could. Yeah. I wish I could draw that hard line. And I mean, it's easy. And some people might say, well, then do it. What's stopping you? A lot. A lot, you know, and <laughs> yeah. and this is the other thing I want to say, you know, we don't know everybody's situation. Yeah. You don't, we don't know what goes on yeah. behind other people's doors and whatever. Right. So that's another good point for us all to take in. I'm talking to myself too here, you know, don't be horrified by others' evil, be yeah. horrified by your own. Right, right. You know, so that's just. Yeah, so so anyway, so I mean that's why Catholics homes are full of everywhere you look the saints, everywhere you look. Yeah. You know, the pictures. Uh, we well, it, it's funny because you know my like my husband has said to me before like you know, he he's not Catholic, so he doesn't he's like do we have to have a saint on every wall? 
does Jesus have to be on every wall? I just say, yes. Yes, he does. <laughs> you know, like, yes. Yes, he does. You know, like, but there's no other answer for that. Yeah. Like, yeah. if I'm going to, like, and the majority of my artwork, like, I'm sitting here in this room, saint, saint. I mean, we have the occasional family photo and the occasional nice decorative art. Like, an old, I love old pictures. I love black and white pictures. Of, um, like, you know, I have one of a woman and a dog and her kids, like, you know, but not in here, you know, well, I haven't had that's Jesus and Mary, St. Oh. Genevieve, St. Teresa, St. John, you know, yeah. and my family photos. I mean, he, he looks at everything though. Like, it's not just the pictures, like there's the crucifixes and the statues and the, you yeah. know, <laughs> and he's just like, you know, it is overwhelming for somebody that's not, well, the guy came to tune your piano yes oh this is this is funny so i called somebody up i just looked online and i found somebody to come and tune my piano and he gets here and he walks in the door i open the door he comes in and he's standing in my living room and there above my piano there's like a three-foot crucifix yeah and i had it sort of somewhat decorated for That's christmas not three feet just so you know what two feet <laughs> one foot well to me it's big you know what i think is throwing me off is it was in my old house it was hanging up yeah above the kitchen it's pretty big it's, pre it's a very large one yes it's not it's three not feet small. but that's me over exaggerating but it's big okay so anyways so he comes in and he's like looking around and then he looks at me and he goes are you catholic and i look back at him and i go what gave you that impression <laughs> and he's like yeah I can tell. <laughs> but it turns out he he goes to the novice he's novice ordo right, and he goes yeah. to the novice ordo church in the town close to me and he said what church do you go to and I said our lady of victory and he said oh I know somebody that goes there and I was like and he told me who it was and I said oh yeah I know him and and nice and and he was telling me he plays the um organ for the latin mass that they have the town over yeah. But he go the church he goes to is Novice Ordo, but he's so good. And he was here playing my piano. He's really good. Obviously, he tunes pianos. And uh, so I just thought it was, you know, and I thought, oh, maybe next time he comes to tune my piano, I might say something, you know. Yeah, like, yeah. Oh, you should come to Our Lady Victory one time and see. <laughs> you know, because okay. you never know. You never know. Like, why did I call that guy? Yeah. Out of everybody I could have called. And then he comes in here and he's Catholic novice ordo but right you know it's just it's funny that it was a funny coincidence that are you catholic are you catholic <laughs> what gave you that impression <laughs> like you know you know when you look around somebody's house you know yeah exactly. you know what's important to them you exactly. can tell you can you know? tell anyways okay quote but the woman who reads every book that falls into her hands, who frequents the theater where everything is calculated to enkindle in the heart the most violent passions, the woman's whose imagination is open like a highway to every thought and every impression, who never enters into herself by recollection and meditation, who never places herself under the eye of God by prayer, whose thoughts and desires are ever wandering upon a multitude of objects, whose insatiable curiosity listens with avid to the gossip of the detracting tongue, whose frivolous life is wasted in the idle occupations of the toilet, who yields her heart to the most dangerous affections and compromises her tranquility and innocence by the imprudence of her conduct, 
Such a woman, far from finding in her imagination a source of consolation and enjoyment, will on the contrary find it to be only an occasion of danger of sin. For this faculty, so valuable when properly di directed, becomes injurious when it has got the mastery over the other powers of the soul and instead of being held in subjection is allowed to control and hold dominion as it were over our whole existence, end quote. All right. So she's basically incapable of making a correct decision. Right. Because she's, she's filling her imagination with everything he just said. Everything, you know, you know? right? Like, I mean, and I, you know, I have a... a a hate on for love songs yes silly love songs yeah <laughs> you know and why is that because i mean i always felt them more dangerous to yeah. the souls of women than you know acdc i'm on a highway to hell well and you know what i do i think they are because you know when i was young when i was young teenager tween, tween teen young adult i mean i love music yeah i love music i play the piano i love now i love classical i love catholic music but when I was young, I loved to listen to music. I, you know, when I was sad, I put on Taylor Swift, and I, you know, I can't even say that with a straight face; it's embarrassing. But, anyways, <laughs> you know, but I really do believe those songs destroyed me. They did. They destroyed me, and they played a huge part in my wayward journey. Yes. yes. Because I was looking for this ultimate, you know. The love. Love. Like, I had to you have had... what these women were singing about. Yeah. Women, men, whatever, pop group, like, any kind. Like, I was obsessed with the love songs. It's the imagination. Obsessed. That was the imagine. It was filling your head, you know. So, and, you know, it, 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 it's scary to think, you know, like, so that's, I am very guarded with the music. Yeah. Because of that. Right. Like, you know, my daughter, if she wants to listen to music, I'm just like, no, 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 And then no. she does. And then she, like, and I'm just like, no, we don't need it. We don't need it. And, and you can't, I'm sorry, but you can say, well, you can you cannot shelter your kids from it. Do they, if they go out in public. They're going to hear They're going to hear it. Right. You cannot shelter them from the music. It is everywhere. Right. You cannot allow it in your home. Yes. But they will hear it. Yes. And that's what scares me. It's like there's no music going on here in my home. Right. Unless I have a speaker, a little speaker that I connect to my phone. I, right now I'm playing all the nice Christmas music and I'll play classical and whatever. But the, we don't, as a rule in this house, uh -huh. play secular music. Right. Because I'm in control of the speaker, you know? Yeah. But when we go out in public and we're in the store yeah. and Katy Perry is blasting over the speaker right. and she's like going, oh, yeah, this has got a nice beat. I like and I'm it. like, I like no, it. no, no, you know, yeah. it's it's very dangerous because I know how dangerous it was to me. I know. And so, I mean, now it is the most important time to teach them that that is feeding your imagination. imagination. Right. Yeah. So this music, I know you like it. But it's feeding your imagination. So while you're dreaming up of uh, nights on shining, shining horses and whatever, know, all this stuff, yeah, you're going to be incapable of making a correct, correct decision. Right. That's how much the imagination controls. Well, and things. it and it's not reality. Right. So you're going to be dreaming up this life for yourself in in your mind based off of a long a love song that is not reality yeah it's not real that's right well i mean and that it says this further on right about okay. truth right okay so let's continue on here then 
Okay, one of the most, <coughs> quote, one of the most deplorable effects that follow from this license of imagination is its absorption of all of the other faculties. It takes the place of the understanding, the judgment, the heart, and the will. We fancy what that we comprehend something present to the mind when it is only our imagination playing with some lofty thought and fluttering about it as a butterfly over a flower. We think that we are passing judgment when in reality we are only yielding to a prejudice that blinds us or to some preference of our heart, end quote. Yeah. So, I mean, basically, we, like I said before, incapable of seeing anything clearly because the ma- imagination has dreamt up things, mm-hmm. right? Dreamt up, given us images of what the way things are supposed to be or how we're supposed to want them. And this is what we do when we go to the theater. And remember, this is written in the 1800s. So, you know, how much theater did they have it, compared really? to us? You know? Like, I'm sure it was probably a big deal to go to the theater to see a play or yeah, something. Yeah, right? So, you know, the books. Yeah. I mean, um, St. Teresa of Avila had a problem with books Yeah, as a teenager. She got carried away with the love novels. Right. Right, and she, uh, I don't, I can't remember, I, I can't remember how she, but she eventually was like done with that, not yeah. doing that, right? But it's, um, this is what they're talking about. Like, I mean, the back then, like, um, I can't remember her story exactly, but you know, she wasn't supposed to be reading those books, right? Well, when you think about it, why, why is it any business of ours to fantasize about somebody's love story? Right. Somebody else is like, even made up characters, right? Uh-huh. For example, like Pride and Prejudice. Yeah. Miss, the Mr. Darcy's, of the, like you dream of meeting yeah. your Mr. Darcy. Yeah. Why is it any of our business to be thinking and contemplating about those things? And this is why, you know, when they, they take the Holy Family and they say the greatest love story ever told. Right. That's the greatest love story ever told. Right. The Holy Family. Yeah. And not not love like secular love like Mary and Joseph, the family. Yeah. Yeah. The way that Saint Joseph loved our Lord so much. Yeah. That he would not let anything happen. Yeah. To him. He took it upon himself to be um our Lord's protector on earth and Mary's protector and be the father. Right. It was about the role of the father. It wasn't about how much he loved Mary. Love, yeah. quote unquote, you know, that's the greatest love story. That's the love story that we should mm-hmm. be contem- like contemplating, emulating. emulating, meditating and dreaming about. So when we're looking for our, I mean, I'm past this obviously, but for any young women that are listening to this and you're, you're, you're dreaming up your perfect man and you want a beautiful life and don't think about love don't think about you know the heart wants what the heart wants look for your saint joseph yeah look for a man that loves god so much that he's willing to take you as his wife and look after you and keep your family and put you on a path to heaven yeah i don't know if that man exists i hope he does (laughs) for you young ladies out there but I just, I had thought about that and I thought everybody talks about this great love. Yeah. Being so in love with someone. Yeah. It's not about being in love with someone. It's about loving God so much you want to create a family. Yes. To love and honor and serve him. Right. You know? Also, I, I, that's, this is for young women, but I do want to touch on, um, 
mothers and children's because mothers have their own problem with their own imagination. Yeah. When it comes to their children. Right. That their children are way better than they actually they are. are. Yes. Right? So they they don't look objectively at their own children. Right. So their imagination um, fills their head with how great their children are. Yeah. And they uh, neg- ignore the faults or, you know. Well, they have a distorted view of they, their children. They have, a, they have a distorted view of their own children. Right. I mean, I always try to look at my children through the eyes of other people. Right. I mean, and I used to say to you all the time when you were little, don't do that. I'm your mother. I love you. Other people don't. don't. <laughs> yeah, I did say yeah. that. You're annoying them. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I would. And in turn, you're annoying me. <laughs> <laughs> you know. No, I'm just kidding. No, I used to say it but all the time. But she did used to say that. Yeah. Yeah. I said like because said, I, and I and I I, t- I used to tell I tell everybody that I can all the young moms look at your children objectively look okay. for their faults yes you must because you will see you them. may not see you won't see your faults their faults unless you're actively looking for them and many mothers know I'm guilty of this too and I have to tell myself all the time I have to remind myself of what my mother told me nobody loves your children like you do yeah like you know. Like, and I think a lot of mothers forget that they think the sun rises and sets on their children. Right. And the whole world is going, yeah, big whoop, don't care. Yeah. Like, you only you love your children and maybe some grandparents and, like, you know. Yeah. But even then, like, you have to keep that in your mind because that is how the little, what do, what do you call them? Uh, what's the word? For the kids. Demigods. Demigods, yeah. yeah. I call them demigods. The little demigods are created, you know, right. and the entitlement and the... the yeah, because, That you is know, what our imagination does to us. That our imagination is is the problem for that too, mm-hmm. right? And, you know, and, and I, I say to people, you know, like, it, it's it's not bad to find the faults in your children. Yeah. They're right? not perfect. Because you, it's you. your <laughs> job to correct, correct them. it. Right. right. So if you're not, if, and if you're not looking for the faults, they won't be corrected. They won't be corrected. And then you get kids that grow up and think they're perfect well, because they've been told their whole life that they do nothing. Well, wrong. and not only that, not only do they grow up and think they're perfect, but the parents. Grow, I mean, Jordan Peterson is the one that says it. Don't, um, don't let your children be someone you don't like. Right. You know, like he's yeah. the one, he says that, mm-hmm. and you know it's true. Yeah. Right, and because what happens is they become adult. Not even when they don't even get to be adults; they get to be twelve or thirteen, and yeah, like you, you just you can't. You want to throttle them, yeah. <laughs> you know. And then the older they get, like the the separation becomes bigger and wider. Like you want to have a relationship with your adult children, right? And in order for you to have that, you have to correct their faults. So that means you have to see them. You have to see yeah. the faults. Yeah. And not brush them aside. Yes. You know, because you become blinded by your love. Like in, I mean, I think in the old days they did this way better than we do now. Because we're constantly looking for the um, self-esteem. Yeah. I have to make them feel good, you know. So they come and they draw a picture and and you go up like, is this the best picture that's ever been drawn in the history of I'd like to see Picasso do this. <laughs> you know, history drawing. You know, like yeah. you, and you act like this over garbage. Yeah. 
Like I didn't never did that with you guys. I did when I well I was away from the church at this time, but Ava had this little um you know those boards that you can yeah. erase yeah. with the swipe thingy. It's like a magnetic board and you draw with the magnetic pen. Right. And she was really little. She was like four or something. Uh-huh. And she drew a whale. And it was just an outline of a whale, but I was like, "Oh, this Look, look at, look at what she did. Look at what she did. Look at this whale. And I was just like so in awe of her. And I took a picture and a post on Facebook. I had to show everybody this whale that she drew. Right. And I look back on that moment and I just cringe. Like, I'm just like, big whoop. <laughs> you know, like she was a you kid know, learning to I mean, draw and she drew a whale. <laughs> Sometimes, I know a few kids out there that have really good, like, drawing abilities. Yeah better than most kids yeah like when you see when if your child has that yeah you, you know you push it, that and push go it this and say, is your talent this is your talent this is your thing but if your guy is drawing stick people and yeah. they don't even look like stick, stick people, people like don't be praising that, that up and down say yeah well you know say that's nice keep trying keep going keep, keep going, going. <laughs> yeah you know, like you don't put them down obviously, obviously. Yeah. but you don't act like every little Every little step, every little milestone is the greatest. The greatest you know, thing, thing that could ever possibly happen. Happen in this earth. Yeah. You have to be a little level-headed. You have to see the truth to what just happened here. Right. You know, they're trying, they're learning, that's great, but they are not no Michelangelo. Right. <laughs> you right. know, so, you know, keep saying, yeah, keep doing it, you'll get better, you know, or yeah. whatever, you know, yeah. just keep trying. And I... And I think that it's this imagination with the children yeah. that um, mothers have problems with. Right, right. You know, so again, see things as God sees them. Is this really good or is this just really good because you love them? Yeah. You know. Well, we're just over the, we're at an hour five. So, and we have two big long quotes left. Do you want to? Oh, let's do it. Let's, let's run do it. it. Okay. Let's just do it because okay. I just want to do, finish this She chapter. wants to finish this chapter. Okay. Quote, in like manner for an act of the will, we mistake the seduction of pleasure or the excitement of passion. What is still worse, we imagine that we love while we only obey the suggestions of a refined selfishness, which lies concealed in the depths of the heart and dries up the source of the purest affections and most generous sentiments. For this reason, no sooner does the object to which we are attached lose its charm than we quit it with the same faculty with which we seized upon it. And this inconsistency is one of the most surest marks by which to judge that our affection was a mere amusement of the imagination and not a deep and lasting sentiment of the heart. End quote. Yeah, so that's, you know, when we, that's how we end up married to a buffoon. Yeah. And then we go, how did this happen? How did this happen? Well, I listened to too many love songs. Yeah. <laughs> you know, happened. because the imagination created things that weren't true. Right. You know, and so all these things, like it's, and this is why I want to finish this up, because this is kind of just leading, leading to, the, to same, the same, it's just the same thing what we just said. Right. Like it's not, nothing lasts because it's not true. Right. Right. So you got to keep the imagination in reality. Mm -hmm. 
Okay, quote, many women live thus in a world of illusion and error, deceived in regard to themselves still more than in regard to others, ignorant of the real nature and end of their thoughts and feelings, gliding over the surface without ever penetrating into the essence of things, not knowing where they are, what they are, whither they are going, or whence they come, groping their way in the dark, acquiring at the price of their repose, and often of their virtue, an experience which avails them nothing, because their mind and heart are too weak to profit by it. Thus they pass from one illusion to another, until the last, which is the most terrible of all, because it cannot be repaired. The female, who during life has been led and fascinated by her imagination, is frequently unwilling, even at the approach of death, to part with that treacherous guide. The last look she casts upon her life is itself an illusion, and she begins to see the light only in eternity. Then does she understand, but too late, that her whole life has been one continued deception, a lie, and that, quote, all on earth is vanity except loving God and serving him alone, end quote end of chapter yeah so i mean that ends on such a note can you imagine going yeah. into eternity and finding out your whole life has been a lie yeah like i like when i read that i was it's just like, like whoa like that's your whole life has been a lie. lie yeah you know like and i was i was thinking back to the children we do that with our children especially when they're adult children like i mean because i've had adult children right mm -hmm. so you know i'm talking to you about my adult children and i'm praising them up and down they're this and they're that and they're all the things that you mm -hmm. know everything should be and the person is looking at you like yeah i don't know who you think your kid is <laughs> but they ain't that yeah, yeah you know yeah. like and and i've i've been on both ends of that i yeah. think I've I've been listening to somebody go on and on, and I mean, I, and then I think in my head, I don't think you know what your kid does in their spare time, right? You know, and vice versa, and like it's it's like living a lie, it's living a delusion, right? You know, and same with you know loves and husbands and and the imagination just spurs up all this this stuff. Mm -hmm. Like I mean, there's there's three absolutes in life: truth, truth. Maybe beauty goodness yeah right truth beauty and goodness are the absolutes and you want to know what they actually are mm -hmm. and the only way you can know what they actually are so that you're not deceived and you're and you don't go to eternity and find out your whole life has been a lie mm -hmm. is by the things that we said you know prayer meditation Su suffering Sacrifice. sacrificing yeah. you know surrounding yourself with good and holy imagery mm -hmm. you know good shows if you can find them yeah well, they're all, like the song of Bernadette the song of Bernadette you Passion, know you just you, know. you have to pump in the goodness yes. it has to come in goodness has to come in you have to stay away from the lies and the deceits like I will say, you know, I I know that TV is evil, but I do have to say the like the movie The Passion, yeah, has given me so much imagery, yes, to meditate upon. Like when I'm praying the rosary, or when I and I get it's a movie, but I often and I've watched it a lot, yeah, you know, I use that imagery every time I'm praying the rosary. Uh -huh. for meditating right right you know so there you know you you surround yourself with these things and you then they give you that 
what's the food for thought you know yes. like they feed your, they imagine- feed your imagination, imagination with the things that it should be fed with the one the one quote that i wanted to give forth to that i i forgot was the saint Teresa of uh the little flower right we had a quote from her that said when i think i'm dying sick in my bed i wish to be no when i think when i'm dying sick in my bed i wish to be dying in an arena right so okay well you know Dying oh, a martyr's, martyr's death. death. Okay, gotcha. You know, so, so I, I think I butchered that whole thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, but you know, like that's the good imagination. imagination. Yes, yeah. You know, like you're sick and what you want to be is martyred. Yes. <laughs> you know, like yeah. it, and like you're always taking everything to like the next level, level right? Yeah. We're sick and what do we do? We feel sorry for ourselves. Yeah. Look at me, poor sick me. Yeah. Everybody fought on <laughs> Yeah, you know. But I mean, but these are the things. This is why the imagination breaks or makes us. Right. And this is basically what this chapter was about. Perfect. All right. Well, I guess we're, we're almost at over like a minute 15, I think. Or a minute. An hour 15. So we'll leave it there. And then next week, hopefully, we'll be back with uh, the next chapter is about curiosity. Yeah. So we go from what's in our head to what we do with it, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> you know? So anyways, we uh, will leave it there. It's This was kind of a longer one, but... Um, I did want to finish it. I didn't want to break that it up chapter. and then, you know, yeah. come back. So on that note, we hope that you all have a very blessed uh, week. And um, as always, may our Lord bless you and our Lady guide you. And St. Teresa, pray, pray for, for us. us.